are the content rebels. We've got zero time for busy work that masquerades as marketing, and we're done with losing the impact of our big message just to satisfy some SEO or social media algorithm rules. This is a show about marketing for established soloish entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships with clients online. Join me each week as we make your content work for you. Hey, hey, friends, how are y'all doing? It is sunny in Portland. I know I don't normally talk about the weather, but I think I might be a little bit giddy, which tells you a lot about both me and Portland weather that we have sun and I'm finally gushing. We are way off topic, but that is where I'm at in life right now. And I like to share at least a little bit of that as we move on into more marketing related talk. And on the marketing notes, today I'm going to be talking about Pinterest SEO. There might be a few Google SEO things that pop in because, well, you know, SEO is all related, right? But Julia Bocchese is so kind and so generous. And I normally have really conversational, like idea kind of conversations. And I was so interested in what she was saying. I just kept peppering her with more questions. So we're, we're about to get like a download here. If you need to stop and take notes or go back and listen to do so, feel free. There's a lot of information. Julia is an SEO and Pinterest consultant for creative small businesses at Julia Renee Consulting. And she's the first SEO professor at Drexel University. Side note, how cool is that? Uh, anyway, her goal is to make SEO and Pinterest strategies approachable and easy to implement for all small businesses so they can teach their ideal clients organically. And with that, let's hop into the interview. All right, Julia, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really interested in our talk today. And like most of the guests that come on to the No Like and Trust Show, there's always a little bit of something in it for me because I generally find that when I feel like I know something, but I don't know enough of it, as it turns out, everyone else kind of generally feels the same way. And, and I love the opportunity to share guests like you because uh, we can't know everything. And most most of my clients, at least, I know for a fact, most of the listeners are people who don't necessarily have the resources to hire an expert for every different kind of field that they are looking at but we're still marketing our businesses. So with that, I'd love to hear just a little bit about how you grew and and where you gained your skill set. Yeah. So right now I get most of my sales from probably Google referral and then strangely enough, Instagram SEO. So it's not people who follow me on Instagram, but they'll, I guess, go to Instagram and either search for a hashtag or some keywords and find my profile and then reach out that way. I'm not big on Instagram, but I know now that I need to be active enough <laughs> to kind of show up in these searches. Um, so that's mostly where I get most of my sales for Pinterest. That's where I get most of my email subscribers. So we'll probably talk about different ways you can use Pinterest in uh, this conversation. But for Pinterest, that's kind of what I focus on is growing my email list that way. You know, I, I love that because I think you just acknowledged two very key things that a lot of people conveniently like to forget, even though I think we most of us deep down know, which is that you're not going to get all your leads in the same way. There are multiple different traffic like channels that you probably want to at the very least acknowledge, if not, you know, really like nurture. And also that you do have to show up in order to keep that that nurturing going. So so thanks for like playing right into my hand on that one. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> but SEO is one of those things that I think at the bare bones, most of us get, right? Like you enter a search term. So if you want to rank for that search term, you have to put content out there for that. 
But I think beyond that basic, a lot of people just get really overwhelmed, not even necessarily confused, although I know that some of the technical aspects can be confusing, but I just think it's overwhelming. Well, how do I know about this? How do I know where to do that? So from like the Pinterest side of things, I think a lot of us have probably seen, oh, you know, you can pick up good keyword ideas if you go to the search bar and just start typing, you know, they'll pop up with some ideas. But beyond that kind of that kind of basic thing, like what do you recommend for people who want to do what you're doing, which is building an email list off of Pinterest? Yeah. So the good news with Pinterest SEO is that it's way more basic than like Google SEO because with Google, there are over 200 different ranking factors with Pinterest. It really comes down to your keywords. Um, So like you said, you can just go to Pinterest and start typing things in and Pinterest will auto-populate with what other people have searched before. So that way you're not just trying to target a huge keyword like marketing, you can get really specific on like, you know, social media marketing for interior designers or something like that. So you can see what other people have been searching. Uh, It won't give you the exact like numbers of monthly searches or things like that, like um, Google SEO keyword tools do, but it's kind of like a good starting place. They do have a keyword research tool called Pinterest Trends. They introduced this, I think about two years ago, they're still adding data to it. So they don't have like data for every single industry on there yet. They don't have a lot of data for um, like when I'm searching for SEO keywords on there. So don't be discouraged if like you don't see, you know, any data for topics that you write about. That doesn't mean that no one's searching for it on Pinterest. It just means they don't have the data there yet. So that's a good place to, you know, kind of start. You can compare They won't break down like monthly searches, but they'll kind of give you the overall data trends for different keywords. And you can kind of compare to see how different keywords perform in different seasons because Pinterest is, um, you know, pretty seasonal for a lot of businesses. Uh, Summer is usually pretty big for Pinterest. It kind of goes down, you know, around the holidays unless you have a lot of holiday content. Um, But that's just one thing to be aware of. So you do do want to make sure that you get your content up on Pinterest, like ahead of the most popular season for whatever keyword term you're searching. On Pinterest on the desktop, they do have an app, but on the desktop, when you are searching for, you know, different keywords, they will also have these little bubbles at the top with different phrases that people have used related to your search. So that's another way to kind of like, you know, find out these related searches, get more ideas for content and things like that. So in terms of like growing your email list, um, I do recommend having some sort of email freebie. You don't want to just have like a page that says sign up for my newsletter because, you know, especially for people who don't know anything about you, (laughs) they likely aren't very interested in just signing up for a newsletter that they know nothing about. Um, So make sure you have some sort of, you know, freebie or something that you have to incentivize people to sign up for your email list. I also recommend having a landing page on your website that has the email list sign up embedded on it. So instead of just like linking to your homepage where you have maybe like a banner or a pop-up, you have an actual page. That way you can track the data to see how many people are actually going from Pinterest or from, you know, another platform to this page. You can also track to see, you know, how many people are going to this page versus signing up. So if a lot of people are going to the page, but then they're not signing up, then there might there might be an issue with <laughs> the email signup, or there might just be, you know, something that isn't translating between how you're marketing your freebie and then what your freebie actually is. So that was a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I like that. And obviously anyone listening who was like, ooh, lots, they can go back and take notes if they need to. So I think that's always a good thing. But um, one of the things you said there, I just want to clarify, um, because I think I heard it 
But I heard you say that you should have a separate landing page for just your Pinterest leads. Is that what you said? Just your email sign up. So like if you have a freebie, have a landing page where people can go to sign up for that. So it's not specific to people coming from Pinterest. It's just for your freebie sign up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have one specifically for Pinterest or you can set up like UTM codes if you want to get really technical. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm all about UCMs. So (laughs) a Facebook ads person I was talking to a while back, this is two, three years ago. She had recommended that you actually create separate funnels that you direct your Facebook ads to versus the same funnel that you would send, for example, Pinterest or your email list to, because with attribution on Facebook ads, it's so difficult to prove, was this actually a Facebook ads customer or was it not a Facebook ads customer? And I was like, oh, are you suggesting the same thing? But I think now you're saying, no, you don't need need to do that. You don't need to. You definitely can if you want to. Um if you want to get like really technical with data and Google Analytics, you can set up goals to see how many people are, you know, visiting different pages from different platforms. Um, but also in Pinterest, it will, they have their own analytics system. So you can see how much traffic a particular pin is getting. So if you have a pin for this, you know, freebie and you're seeing that it gets, you know, 10 visits, um, you know, that way, you know, 10 people from Pinterest are going to your email list and hopefully signing up. So when, when we're looking at like, you know, setting up a pen for you know, your email list freebie, right? Um, what are the kind of numbers that you generally look at? You know, do you want, you know, five different pins? Do you want one pin, but then reposting it, you know, once a month? Like, I think that's where the people I know at least start feeling like they're in the weeds. They're like, well, I did this and, you know, this one pin's not doing, so maybe I should do another one. But then other people say, don't send multiple pins to the same URL. So it's always like, what's the best idea here? Yeah. <laughs> it really varies depending on how much content you have. So if you have been blogging for 10 years and you have a ton of content, then I recommend kind of, you know, focusing on just creating like one pin for blog posts, just so you can kind of get that content going on Pinterest and see what performs, you know, the best for you. If you're just starting out and you just have like five blog posts or, you know, five freebies, you know, whatever you're pinning on Pinterest, then I do recommend creating some more graphics because you do need to be pinning at least once a day on Pinterest. Um, a couple of times a day is recommended, but if you can just do once a day on Pinterest, just to start with, that's something you don't want to like, you know, put out 10 pins on Pinterest, not show up for a month, put out another 10. That's not really going to serve you. Um, So definitely make sure that you have enough content to be able to pin at least once a day on Pinterest. You can also repin older content that you want to kind of give a boost. So this doesn't mean you have to create like, you know, 30 brand new pins every single month. You can kind of like repin that older content as well. And you can also create templates like in Canva or something like that. So that way you're not creating pins completely from scratch every single time. So I have, at least for the last two years or so, you know, every podcast episode or blog post that I've created, I keep all the things that I pinned from ages ago in the folder with that podcast, like in the artwork folder. So what you're saying is I could go and pick out a blog post from say a year ago and repin that content and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The rules on Pinterest have kind of like shifted, (laughs) but they, yeah, you can definitely repin content. You can even just go to Pinterest, find your pin, and then like literally repin it or schedule it out or something like that. You don't have to like create it from, you know, scratch every single time. Well, that makes things sound far more easy than some of the other platforms that we talk about up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that because re- I mean, repurposing is always, always a boon when we're talking about content and keeping things fresh. But 
I, I do have some really good content from a year or two, sometimes even three or four years ago. And sometimes I surprise myself, like it'll show up in my, you know, Facebook or my Instagram memories. And I'm like, oh, that needs more eyes. So this is a great way to do that. And Pinterest is also great for kind of like long-term traffic. So something that you pin today, you can still get traffic from like in six months to, you know, year or something like that. So it's not like Facebook or Instagram where you stop seeing that content after like 24 hours or, you know, whatever it is now. Yeah, no, that's it's one of the reasons why I like Pinterest because if you put that much time and effort into something, it's kind of sad when it just dies a slow death. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have, again, just speaking for my own case use since that's what I know best, right? I have pins for basically all the content I've done over the last couple of years. Obviously, I can go back beyond that and, you know, add those pins in. That's not a problem. But what about pins that, you know, I, I know the content that they're going to is really good. It's some of my favorite, but they're, they just haven't done much. Is there anything I should be looking at specifically for those things to either fix them or redo them in a better way? Yeah. So you can definitely create a new graphic because, you know, it could have been something like, so Pinterest AI is getting a lot smarter at reading the text on the graphic. So it could have been, you know, when you posted this two years ago or something, Pinterest AI had a hard time reading whatever font it was or the size of font, you know, something like that. Or maybe there wasn't enough contrast between the background and the text. So, you know, Pinterest had a hard time reading it and, you know, users may have had a hard time reading it. So, you know, if you're going to create a new graphic, you know, make sure everything on it is very clear, easy to read. Don't use 10 different script fonts, <laughs> please. For many other reasons too. <laughs> Especially as more people on Pinterest are using their phones now um, rather than using Pinterest on their desktops. So you need to make sure everything is easy to read on a small screen. And then kind of going back to the keywords, once you have, you know, a particular keyword that you're trying to target on a pin. So if it's podcast on Pinterest SEO, we'll just go with that example. Uh, make sure that is, you know, somewhere on the text itself on the pin, because Pinterest AI will read that and, you know, categorize it as one of the keywords that you're trying to target. So if you just say like, you know, podcast, and then you have like a Pinterest image or something like that on it, that doesn't give Pinterest enough information to know what that pin is about. So make sure within the text on the graphic, you are saying the keyword. Also in the title of the pin and the description, you want to make sure you're using that keyword or variations of that keyword. In the description, you also want to make sure that you're using like complete sentences. Don't just like list out 20 different keywords separated by commas or something like that, because that does look spammy to Pinterest. And then also any People who open that pin, they will see that and that can look really sketchy, <laughs> make them not want to visit your website. So the more information that you are able to kind of like detail in that description, just like a little summary of your blog post or, you know, description of your freebie, something like that. It doesn't need to be crazy long or anything. Just make sure you're writing like a human because you are trying to reach humans on Pinterest. In terms of like choosing keywords, right? So you're saying, you know, the the text we have on the graphic can be read so long as we're doing it in a clear and legible way. Should we be matching the text on the graphic with the title of the pin or are they not expecting us to do it that closely? No, it doesn't have to match completely. So you can definitely switch it up or, you know, if you have like a short title on the pin because you don't want to have a super long title and have the text really small, you can have a longer title in the in the pin title itself. Okay. I like that I don't have to make a match. I always feel like when you're doing SEO for, for websites, right? Like you have to have the keyword here. You have to have the keyword there. Oh, you didn't mention the keyword in the meta title. And it gets, it takes all the joy out of it. It takes all the fun out of like the thing that, that you just created. And I feel like Pinterest, for me at least, 
correct me if I'm wrong. It is okay to disagree. But I feel like Pinterest still lets me kind of have that creativity, at least to a certain extent, because I can do what I think people actually want to hear and not feel so tied to keywords and so tied to that search capability while still getting the benefit of it. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's actually exactly why I do both Google SEO and Pinterest in my business, because like you said, SEO is like very technical and, you know, has more of a formula and then Pinterest lets you be a lot more creative. So it's nice to kind of having that, that balance in my day. All right. Since you see so many people and so many different businesses doing this, I'd love to ask if it's okay. (laughs) What's like the biggest thing you see? And you're like, no, no, don't, 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 don't do that. Like what, what would you, if you could just step in and fix things for people, like what's the big annoyance you see? So on Pinterest, it's definitely the pin images. I have seen pins that use like 10 different fonts in like five different neon colors and like it makes my eyes hurt. (laughs) So I can't imagine, you know, someone is like taking the time to stare at that pin and try to figure out what it says in order to visit the website. So if people can't read it immediately, they're not going to, you know, click on that pin. So making things, you know, super easy to read, make sure the text is big enough. That's That's another thing I see mostly is the text is really small where it might look okay on desktop, but on your mobile, like you, you can't read it on your app unless you like really zoom in. And that's a big reason why people aren't getting a lot of traffic on Pinterest. If if people can't read their pins, they're not going to click on it. So make sure everything is super easy to read, both for Pinterest AI, but also for, you know, people you actually want to visit your website. When you're talking about that, right, it's really easy to, you know, make your graphic on Canva or, you know, wherever people are making it. And Canva has a tendency, at least my Canva does, (laughs) to introduce all text really small. And then, of course, I'm like... Up, 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 up. I know that it's really easy to think, well, I want to include all of this on there. So like, do you have kind of a, a rule of thumb, if you will, when creating Pinterest graphics, like they have to be at least a certain point size, or they have to take up a, at least a certain percentage of the field or like, like, what, what are you trying to do on your own? It really varies depending on the font. I'll say I was doing some pin design earlier today, and I think most of the text was like at least 45 to 60 so pretty big. You can also like play around with it and, you know, get creative, like have the most important text as the biggest. And then if you have a longer title, you know, you can make the rest of the text smaller, but just have something that can stand out, catch someone's attention and is related to what they're searching for. So you can like kind of have a few different font sizes. I mean, don't go crazy and have like, you know, super small and then ginormous text, but you can, you know, kind of like have some different text sizes if it's a longer title. You can also test out different pin designs. So if you have a pin or a blog post or something that has a really long title and you want to, you know, kind of do a shorter title on one pin and see how that performs and then do a longer title on a different pin, you can definitely test things out and see what, you know, performs the best for your audience. That's a good point. So when you're testing, are you testing like, I mean, obviously you can post several times a day. Are you testing them all in the same time period? Are you spreading it out? Like, how are you measuring all that? Yeah, so I definitely recommend spreading them out by at least like a week, usually a couple weeks. You don't want to have like the same blog post, you know, pinned 10 times in a day or something like that. You definitely want to, you know, make sure you're putting a few different pieces of content out within, you know, a week or so. So if you are, you know, have one blog post and you created five different graphics for it, you know, spread them out between a few weeks each. So that way they're each giving the attention that, you know, they get 
you're not like competing by having the same blog posts, multiple pins go out on the same day. All right. So I know I've like thrown a ton of questions at you right after I promised I don't throw tons of questions at people, but I am curious. So I, I have, like I said, every week I have a new podcast or blog post, sometimes both. And I'm pretty good at getting at least a few pins out for each one of them. Uh, and some of them, I, I just feel like, well, it would be lovely if that one would have even one click on it. And I go back and I look at it and I'm like, they all look the same to me. They all have similar enough like messaging keywords, colors. It's not like one of them committed the cardinal sin of 10 fonts or ugly color combinations, right? Is there any, you know, I won't say algorithmic secrets because obviously Pinterest wouldn't tell all of us what the secrets are, but are there any like big things that I might be missing and therefore, you know, audience members might be missing as well that are like, no, no, that one didn't perform well because of this, or is it really just luck of the draw? Yeah, it totally depends. It could be luck of the draw. It could be, you know, the season that you're, you know, posting something. It could also be related to the boards that you're pinning things to. So another thing with Pinterest SEO is making sure that your boards are optimized. So having like, you know, incorporating keywords in the title and in the board description, again, it can be, you know, kind of this similar formula that you're using for your pins, having like you know, a title that has a keyword in it, and then kind of like having a short summary of what is going to be pinned to that board in the board description. But the more information that you're able to give Pinterest on your profile, on your boards, it helps them better understand what your pins are about. And I do recommend having boards that are fairly specific. So don't just have like a marketing board, have like, you know, Instagram marketing for, you know, whoever you serve, Facebook marketing, you know, things that are broken down a little bit more. So you don't just have like one huge board with all of your marketing topics. So it could be related to like, you know, the boards, if Pinterest isn't clear on, you know, what the board is about, what the pins are about, you know, they might not be ranking very well. Another thing that you can do when you're on your desktop, if you have your a pin open, you can kind of scroll down and Pinterest has a section called more like this. So it's showing you more pins that are, you know, on the same topic as, you know, your pin. So you can see if your pin is related to those pins that Pinterest is suggesting, or if they're completely different, then Pinterest is definitely confused about what your pin is about. If it's showing, you know, quote, related content that isn't actually related. So making sure that like everything is very specific to whatever the content is about, both on the pin design and then also the pin title and description. That's really going to help Pinterest better understand what to rank your pins for. Oh, that's a good point. I've, I've never actually seen that. I probably don't ever edit pins once I see them. So I don't have any reason to scroll <laughs> yeah. down, right? You know, no, I, I never thought about that. Like the more like this should really be more exactly mm-hmm. or very closely, I guess, related to this. That makes sense. Julia, this has been fantastic. Thank you. I feel like there's going to be more questions after this. So if people have those, where can they come and find you and and perhaps get some more guidance there? Yeah. So my I'm on Instagram, probably mostly with social media, um, at Julia Renee Consulting. My email is also Julia at JulieReneeConsulting.com. My website is JulieReneeConsulting.com. And I do have a lot more um, blog posts, both on Pinterest SEO, but also more on like the basics of Pinterest. So you're, if you're just getting started and need you know, help with more basic things before you get technical with SEO. Um, I do have a lot of resources there. Definitely email me if you have any questions or need more ideas on where to find keywords or things like that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
All right. Once again, Julia, thank you so much. I kind of lambasted you with questions because, and I, I know I already said this, I want to understand Pinterest SEO better because I feel like I'm on the cusp. I know enough to be dangerous. I don't know enough to truly make it a huge traffic arm for my business. And I feel like that's one of the areas that I need to be growing in. So thanks for allowing me to selfishly get some information from you, but also for giving it in a format that, you know, the whole audience could really gain from. I appreciate it so much. We are going to be continuing on with some more tactical topics this summer. I can't wait to be sharing with you and I'll see you next week. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.